0: old boys ain't much for working two shots on a barrel and they're talking about bourbon talking about a few other things that they don't know you've got a question no need to ask They don't have a clue so raise your glass take a sip with the bold brothers now it's on with the show from the heart of central kentucky the bourbon capital of the world it's two shots on a barrel with your host. A couple of hot shots of their own, the Bow Brothers. What's up, everybody? Back in the Sunnyside Saloon with my main man, jbo What's up, brother? What's going on, my brother? Man, it feels good to be back in the studio, for sure. Thank for God sure. It. Thank you. It's just good to be out. Man, I've had this little sniffly crap for like ever since the last concert of Logsteel, man. It's just been... Well, as you would call it, you've got the cooties. I guess I don't have the official cooties, but I have some sort of, like, sniffle crap going on. But, I, you know, I think I'm about there. I'm about there. So we'll we'll get through it. So I apologize. For my raspy voice, so I want to I want to go on the record and say happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Your daughter's coming back into town. You're super excited. I am super excited. What's what's your favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal? The after dinner nap. That is my favorite part. <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's introduce our guest, uh, J-Bo, because I got to tell you, man, I love this dude that we're gonna have in here today. We've one of the the true pleasures of us working at uh, the amp at Logsteel and Dant Crossing is, has been able to meet cool dudes like our guest today, and I, I can tell you, man, this is a real American that we're going to talk to today. Introduce our guest. Well, look, first of all, he's a guy I wish I met twenty years ago. I mean, he's just that. He's he's one of those guys that just like. Dude, we would have been super tight way back when because I I, f- I feel like he's like a brother to us now. But uh, man, TJ Downs, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, what's up, guys? I appreciate you having me on, man. No, oh, awesome. man, TJ, you're, you're just one of those dudes, man. You just you're you, you just want to you, you pull people in, dude. This uh, people gravitate to who you are. I don't know what it is about it. It didn't take us long to uh, because. You weren't uh you kinda came midstream as yeah. far as the as far as the season, dude and it was like <laughs> no you know, it's like people say, Hey, there's this new dude down here <laughs> and I'm like, Who is this guy? And it's like, man, it's instantaneous connection with T J Downs.
1: Yeah, yeah, man, no doubt. Well, you know, and uh I don't think that was by accident really. Um I think that everybody that knows me at this point is like almost playing everything right. I'm kind of thorough with that. Uh, You know, when they first brought me on, I was the nice security guy. That's that's what I was doing. And, uh, I had my plans step-by-step on how I was going to get myself to other positions of the company. And, uh, the one main thing, and this isn't something I cooked up, you know, I got a lot of great mentors in my life that have really taught me how to, um, you know, jump over some obstacles when they get my way. And, uh, kind of brought me in a little bit you know one one of the main things that I always screwed up at with management you know especially starting in a new spot is I come in I see issues and I'm like okay I'm going to fix this right now right that's yeah. what a lot of people do right. they come in and they You're wanna, not going
0: to bitch about stuff you're yeah, going to fix stuff Yeah well I'm a
1: fixer I think y'all know that by yep. working with me I, if whatever it is the trash can falls over I'm going to pick it up I ain't going to go get somebody and go right. hey your trash can's <laughs> over in your area you know like just fix it that's my motto anyway fix it right but you know, another thing that I think that I screwed up in the past, like getting hired on with stuff like that, is imposing will too soon, right? You come in and you're like, you're seeing all these issues on your first day, and you're going straight to the people that are doing them, and you're saying, no, hey, you do this, that, or the other. Well, then they shut you out. Right. Because in their mind, they're going, well, you ain't even earned your stripes here yet. Why are you? You've been here five minutes. Mm-hmm. Why are you coming to me and telling me what to do? Like, even if you are in that leadership role, you know, so that was the big thing for me is making sure I step back a lot. And, uh, instead of really demanding anything out of people, just giving suggestions and, you know, and I slowly did that for the first few weeks, man on those events. And people really started to see like, Oh, okay, this guy, he's here to be a team player period. Yep. He's not here to be in charge of anybody. And, you know, that's something I say to my managers a lot. My fellow managers that I work with, I tell them all the time, I go, you got an issue and you can't hit it? Tell me what it is. I'll help you, and you can say you did it. I don't care. Right. <laughs> I, I can work, care man. less if I get recognition from it because anything that's going to make you stronger is going to make me stronger. Yep. It's going to make all of us as a group stronger. So, yeah. So I think that's how I picked up on that, man, with everybody.
0: So so with our first season of concerts down, okay, a successful season, what was the one cra- craziest? The craziest thing? I can think of a couple. Well, what, other than, you know, stuff that we did, of course. Mm. But uh what what's the craziest thing to happen in all the concerts of season 1? Man. <laughs> <laughs> that you can say. Um Yeah, okay. So I'm trying to think of the
1: ones that I can say. Yeah um you know the rest of the stuff is classified yeah no doubt (laughs) but to be honest with you man like to me this and this is another thing that shows from the time i got there you know when i worked walked in on that first day our security and i'm not throwing stones at all they just they were all of them were great guys right yep they just didn't have any structure they had no guidance on things and Hell, I think all of us were kind of faking it till we make it right now, especially with log steel. Every single person that's there all the way up, this is the first time they're doing something like this, right? So, um, I try not to be too critical on anybody that's trying to figure it out, because hell, I'm faking it till I make it right now, too, right? And uh, so, they had no structure. And you know, once we started placing that structure and giving it to them, I went from a crazy night, crazy weekend on my first two, like where stuff was just A-wire, to where slowly, man, like over the next few weekends you started seeing, like, man, this place is really coming together. And what's insane to me, especially on, like, Clay Walker night and all that stuff, because I've worked a lot of different events, or I, I grew up in a bar, you right. know what I'm saying? So I've seen how you – know, Drunk people, I I know what stirs the nest, right? Mm -hmm. And to have that many people inside of those areas drinking that kind of alcohol and have no fights and very little injuries. It's insane, you know. So, we did very well with that. So, I guess when I, what I'm trying to get at here is, like, even the craziest of stories isn't that crazy, it right? Because, really and that's a good thing. That shows that everybody was doing what they were supposed to do and keeping all those situations de-escalated and stuff. So, I guess I would say, hmm, I ran into a an LEO that was very mad that he couldn't Get <laughs> Couldn't drink <laughs> And carry a weapon <laughs> On site And I was like Okay So that was a good one um, And then I had a, a A few females That would Get a little rowdy And Get a little touchy-feely Yes You know uh, And Honestly That's about it Man yeah. I would have to make up A cool story
0: really For yeah, that I, cool. go I got forward. one for you Go for it Let's roll Sat as Jim knows, I don't stay still. I can't I can't just sit and watch a show. I got to move around. I, that, that, like that's you. something you and TJ have in common. Because we'll you guys are constant motion. You got to go, bud. So <laughs> I, I go and check on the uh, – it's when we had the gates down beside the stage, people walking up. Uh, I'd walk down there and check on them. Just, I was not doing anything else. Well, this dude walks up with these blue jeans rolled up, no shoes on. He walked that concrete road with, all the, <laughs> with no shoes on. Has a big-ass knife on his side. Oh, my God. All right? And and they're already like, look, look, that dude's got a knife. So I'm like, well, I'm here now. I'm not leaving. <laughs> so, um, and they're all ladies, right? you're working the gate. And right. I'm on the other side of the fence. And I, and so I meet him halfway before he gets to him. I'm like, sir, you, they're not going to let you have that knife in there. It's all right to come in barefoot. <laughs> but but uh, you got to do something with that knife. Yeah, and he's man. like, start cussing me. I was like, I'm not walking all the way back. I said, look, dude. I'm the MC. I'll hold your knife for you I got one of my own <laughs> I Look. remember that I, like, I, I promise, I don't want your knife yeah. I, I, it's like a, a miniature machete yeah. on his hip. <laughs> I was like, but I don't want you to have to walk barefoot all the way back, there's a lot of rocks right? and he's like F you motherfucker! I, I don't <laughs> give my knife to nobody, blah 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 and uh, he turned around and walked off walked mm. all the way back and the lady said I don't like the way he talked to you. <laughs> she, she's like, once he walks back again, I might not let him in. And I was like, at this point, I
1: don't care. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, man. Well, you'll start to see that too, man. And that's um, uh, the one main thing. And I think y'all saw I always pushed it on my – y'all Y'all stood in briefs with me several mm-hmm. times. And this was over trial, trial and error, man. When I first started bouncing at places like I used to uh, – I used to hit up a, a few places down in North Carolina uh when I was stationed down there in the Marine Corps and uh I had some events like I'd come back like in between training and uh we did some music festivals and stuff so I really started to get a feel for it in that but I was doing it with um a bunch of Marines so we were kinda good at it, but we also didn't understand the technique behind it. Uh, we were really good as far as communication with each other and having a strategy as far as getting people away or breaking up fights and stuff like that. But we didn't really <laughs> try to stop the fights before they happened because we wanted it. You <laughs> know, we were
0: young it. and and dumb and like, let me break up something here. Yeah. 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 No, I'm saying oh, yeah, that, that yeah, was uh, your mentality. Yeah, I was like, "Well, go for <laughs> go it.
1: Ahead,
2: break know, it up. Man, let's see what you got."
1: But yeah, so yeah, it was. That's what we wanted to do, and now it's more of as I've gotten older. And again, this is through mentors really paving my way and teaching me different things. It was, uh, how about we just stop it before it happens in the first place? Right. right. So. Um, the big thing to my security staff when I came on with them was like, hey, don't be standing there with your arms folded. This isn't a police state. These people are trying to escape what's out there. Right? Yeah. What's, the world outside of the, the gates of the amp is pretty, for some people, it may be pretty crappy right now. For me, it's unbelievable. It's great you know, for you two as well. But mm-hmm. for some people, it's not very good. So when they come there, that's their escape. And if their escape is just walking around to just dudes and me mugging them constantly like with their arms folded, well, that's going to make them feel uncomfortable. And that's not what we want. But in, it took me a minute to drive that home to some of them because they were like, well, i got to defend myself. Blah, blah, blah. And I told them, I said, I promise you, if you instill this mindset with the people around you and you create this environment, you're going to find yourself not having to do any of it because they're going to police themselves at that point. You know? If I create a happy environment for those 2,000 guests that come in there and, say, four or five of them want to start getting rowdy, the guests themselves that are there with their friends are going to be like, dude, quit, man. We're having a good time. Exactly. Like, yeah. But if you're standing there like the big dick of the group, like, hey, yep. man, you know, mean mugging everybody, don't be standing there. Do this, do that. Well, then the other people in the group are going to be like, you know what, whatever, go knock that dude out. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not going to matter. Like, they're – if you establish that relationship with them when they come in the gate as the nice guy. Hey, how are you doing? Welcome to Locks Hill. Sir. You know, whatever it is. Then now you just made a friend, temporary yep. friend, an acquaintance, right? But if you establish yourself as the standoff guy when they come in there, then they're kind of – they kind of want something to happen to you almost. Right. You know what I mean? So that's the big thing, man, is – and that's what we're doing here, and I and, and I credit that mindset that we have established as a group. Not me; I didn't establish that. We did that as a team. But um, that's why we've been successful at that point. Not having the crazy stuff happen is just creating that environment constantly. If we stay on top of that, man,
0: it'll be an amazing place. I think. I think I've only seen one person be escorted out in the headlock. That was about as, as extensive as it's gotten yeah, for and that me. That was today.
1: the last night, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, it I was the so. last night. I had a all over me. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it, was yeah. Yeah. it was a good time. Yeah. good time. You know, and, and that was one of those situations to where there was no other point. Nope. And that's how I work with it. Mm-hmm. Like, if I have to get physical with somebody, like, it literally, <laughs> there was nothing else we could have done right. at that point. So, and that's what I stress to them, like, if somebody comes at you, Bobo Jackson in it, you got to go. Yeah, you no, like let's, you. let's get
0: with it. That's but
1: exactly. until that happens, man, you need to do everything within your power to keep that from happening. And, you know? and that's
0: that's a lot coming from TJ because TJ is his past is not all about you know being gentle. No, not at all. I yeah. mean that that's something you had to learn on your own. Oh yeah, so, being the gentle. Uh, so this is a, a prelude to you know, it was nice little transition there, Jaybo I, you know, I, I've known TJ for a couple of months now, and, and I've I've already uh, quite a bit of lofty praise for this dude. But I gotta know you, man. I gotta know the TJ before log still mm-hmm. And I know there's a heck of a story, a lot of things to tell. I mean, you were talking to me and Jabo one night uh, down in the uh, production uh, trailer, and some some cool ass stories. And I don't expect you to tell all of that right now, but I do expect you to kind of let some folks know the tj what led up to the tj that is the guy that we know now and i gotta tell you man it, it impresses me every time i hear tj tell it's like this dude is a graduate of harvard or somewhere but <laughs> oh, you know because on, because some of the shit, uh, shit. no i'm serious some Did of the you... it's impressive some of the things that that you know, you're a guy that honestly people would get behind and, and and be excited to go to work for. So I wanna know. You know, I know you're a family man. Yes, I know sir. you've got a beautiful baby girl. Man, don't beautiful. Make cry. So so so, <laughs> so I wanna know TJ the guy. Yeah. Give me give me that little little spill about who you are, dude. Yeah, man. Um
1: okay. So Whew. Oh boy, that's a long one. Yeah, are, are,
0: <laughs> you, are you a, you know, the thing that we've, we've learned, J-Bo, is, you know, you've, you've got folks that are from New Hope, folks that are from uh, New Haven, folks Ooh. that are from all these little communities in Nelson mm-hmm. County, but I want to know you, dude. Yeah, man, so first off, um, yeah, so
1: that's where I was raised at, is Nelson County area, uh, New Haven, New Hope area. I was born in Lebanon, actually, where we're at, at oh, right now. shit. Yep, know I was that. born here in Lebanon. And then uh, I lived outside of New Haven with my parents for a while, and then they split up, and I think I was, like, five. My parents have the weirdest relationship, bro. They, they, they split up when I was, like, five, and they got to back together, but they never dated anybody else, really, right. and then got back together when I was, like, 18. It was just... It was pretty cool. But, so... I lived there in New Haven for a while. And then my mother, actually, she moved outside of New Haven towards Barstown. My my father lived in uh, some apartments up there in New Hope area. And the wildest part about New Hope and being where I'm at right now is like, that's kind of where the whole story, my story started. Um, and that's why it's another reason that drives me behind log so hard is because my dad was the guy that took water to everybody in New Hope, right? For From the time I can remember until I was about 14 years old. My my father's the guy that delivered everyone's water. They didn't have city water at that end of the county. So every day after school, that's where I was at. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been down D-Head D Road. I can't really? tell you how many times I've been around New Hope. New Hope store every day, twice a day, sometimes three times, stopping in and getting a Coke. Like, I've literally watch that community every single day you know half of my life so there was a there was a point in time where i could have told you everybody that lived there you know and uh that's how that rolled. and i think that's why i still have such that that i don't know it sometimes is almost an aggressive pride for that place because i love it so much you know and um so then i I grew up there um i was a terrible terrible kid i truly was i you know i um hats off to my parents for not killing me i mean i was when people are like that's a bad kid like times that by 10 dude i was i was that kid you just couldn't tell me anything you could beat me, punish me, have me right. It just – nothing worked. Were you, you know? just were you just like a cocky
0: dude? Not, or, no, I mean, Well,
1: yeah, that. I mean, anything that makes you just a bad kid. You yeah. know, not really disrespectful. I was a yes, ma'am. I w- I've always been a well-mannered person. That was big, but – um I just didn't give a shit, man. (laughs) I just didn't care. I was down for whatever. Right. And if you told me I wasn't down for it, I was down for it even more. You know, and I was just a punk. I mean, if you want to really label it, that's what it was. And um, so did all that. Went to high school in Nelson County and got done. And um, I kind of screwed off for a couple years, you know, kind of to step back there. So I was a drug addict from the age of 14. Until about 21, right? Oh no shit. Yeah, dude, no doubt. So I started, like, and I want to be very clear here. Some people are going to be like, man, well, you know, how shitty were his parents? Like, I assure you, if you were my parents, it wouldn't have been any different. Right. You know, I was a con artist. I just was, man. I, I was a compulsive liar. You know, it's just how I rode. Whatever I needed to say or do to get what I needed at that point in time, that's what I did, right? Wow. And I think y'all know, like, by talking to me at this point, like, I'm fairly articulate.
0: I can put things No, No, 100%. Right? Yeah. yeah,
1: so 12-year-old, 13-year-old TJ was no different. I, was, I just didn't have the wisdom, but I was able to speak well, right? right? So that led me into avenues of deception or whatever. So, and then my poor parents – they're working constantly because they're trying to raise some damn kids. You know what I mean? Right. So
0: You had how many siblings? Um, I got an older brother.
1: Uh, he's about five years older than me, and I got a sister. She's uh, about seven years older than me. So it was just me and my brother in the household with my mom, and then my sister had been moved out or whatever. That was through my father. So she lives in uh, Georgetown. My brother actually lives in Seattle. Okay. Um, But still, they were just busy people. You know, my parents were my – my mom was going to school at night, working during the day. So it, we were latchkey kids, Me, my, myself and my brother. We got off the bus together. We went home. It was my, my brother cooked supper, and that's how that rode, you know, for a good minute. And then even when she started working, and my mom's a very – she's a very smart lady. And she gained success pretty quick. So when she got into management, she would have late nights again. But just to paint that picture before I tell the rest of this, I don't want people to be like, oh, well, if he had better parents. But (laughs) it's not the truth. It's just not the truth. I was just a con artist, man. So anyway, I started – so I I smoked pot for the first time, I'm going to say, when I was in like sixth grade, right? And uh, that was kind of a tried out kind of thing after basketball practice. I kind of hit it up a few more times that year. Seventh grade, a little more. Eighth grade, four-on stoner. Ninth grade, cocaine. Really? Oh, yeah. Ninth grade, like, I had a really good friend that was getting a a lot of it from his cousin. And it was kind of – now when I think back on it, I'm like, man, what a piece of shit. It was giving that stuff to us, you know. Um, But we were hitting it up, you know, every day. And then I kind of – my sophomore year, I started laying off of it because – I was working in a lumber yard at this time. Like I said, I hauled water for my dad until I was like twelve. Then I got a job at Guys Building Supplies when I was twelve. So every day after school, that's where I worked. I worked in the lumber yard there. And uh, so I did that. I ran over by a forklift when I was thirteen. <laughs> it crushed my leg. Oh my god! Yeah, I almost had to amputate that shit, dude. It was wild. Uh, well, Dang. so I know, dude. Like I'm learning all kinds of stuff, right? Man. Hey, you ass, bro. <laughs> so. <laughs> Then we keep moving forward, and uh, like I said, I go into freshman year. Um, I would – oh, and again, so I try to paint a picture of why I'm such a crazy bastard to people sometimes. So, anyway, so I was one of the best ball players at my school at that time, right? I was playing AAU ball. I was about to go um, – I don't ever think I would have went anywhere with it, but that would have kept my structure probably. Right,
0: but you were pretty damn
1: good. Yeah, I was yeah. really good. Yeah. And then, again, I get my leg crushed by a forklift, so that's no more sports, mm-hmm. right? So, bam, freshman year, going in there when I would have been playing sports, now I'm really hardcore hanging out with the stoner kids. The, I guess the drug. – I'm not making excuses for why I was an idiot. I was an idiot. Right. I made bad decisions, but what I'm saying is I was – things led me to these decisions in a way, right? So, again, so by freshman year, I'm doing the coke, and then my sophomore year, uh, I'm like, man, I gotta lay off this stuff. <laughs> like, I was making really good money at this lumberyard. I was uh, getting paid $10 an hour cash is you know, a 13, 14-year-old kid, so I was bringing home, sometimes depending on the weeks, I was getting three, 400 bucks, you know, mm. as it was nuts, man, so... <coughs> I started noticing all this money I was saving wasn't there no more. So, I chilled out off of that stuff. And I don't think I touched the coke again until, like, after high school. But then my senior year is when I discovered ecstasy. And so, then we're drilling that constantly. Yeah. And um, then from senior year after that, I got back into, like, Oxycontin and crack. And... I was just I graduated high school and I was just a full blown piece of shit for about two years. I did nothing but I guess the good thing is my dad has always made me a worker since I was very little. He just taught me how to work. He taught me how to make money with my hands.
0: So So, even through all that you were still working I
1: still yeah. Oh yeah. Like that's the part of me that'll never stop. Like I can't not work, like in some capacity. It's just I don't know how to not do that anymore, um, but that's what kept me going for a while, and then I started getting in a lot of trouble with the law, and that was the, kind of the last thing that broke it. I got a, uh, I got like a PI charge, uh, like a one endangerment. I tried to run from the cops, all kinds of crap, and my dad, or it was either my dad or my guy, I can't remember, so it's so far back, but... They were friends with somebody that knew, like, county attorney or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? And I had told them, like, hey, I want to join the Marine Corps. I've been wanting to join the Marine Corps. And they were like, well, if you do it, then we'll get you out of this. And so I go through all the steps, and then they push me back. Like, the recruiter didn't want to work with me because of my ankle. Well, since I made the step, they still let me do it anyway. Or the, the county attorney dropped my stuff. Right. which was probably a bad thing, right, because yeah. then it just taught, taught me, like, hey, I can do whatever, but if I do that, no, no, no. So then I had one last ura for, like, six months, right, and I woke up one morning, and I've told this story to a few friends, but I woke up one morning, man, and I sat on the edge of my bed, and I looked up at a picture, and it had, it was my senior picture, and, you know, I was kind of filled out at that point. I would laid off the hardcore stuff Mm -hmm. besides the ecstasy or whatever. But I looked in the mirror, man, and I was just a completely different person. It was like the before and the after. And I literally said out loud to myself, I said, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I got up. I got in my truck. I remember I drove over to the Walmart in Barstown. That's where our Marine Corps recruiting office was. And I went in there, never met this guy in my life. His name was uh, Staff Sergeant Howard. And I sat down and I said – Whatever I have to do to leave this. See, I almost got choked up then because right. it, it was, you get, you like, give, I got choked up in the. You're that giving me code And I told so him, I know. said, whatever I got to do to get out of here, man, I got to leave now or I'm going to die. And, and I meant it, you know. And uh, mm. he just looked at me and he said, well, how long is it going to take till you pass a piss test? I said, 30 days if I quit today. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, well, you come in here when you can do that. And I promise you we'll figure out how to take you wherever. And that's what I did. I went home and I told my mother, uh, she got I waited for her to get home that day and I told her what was up and I, uh, you know, kinda bald crying and was just like, This has to happen or I'm gonna go to jail, or I'm gonna die. Yep. And she told me, Hey, um, um, if that's what if that what needs to go down, that's what goes down and so I basically locked myself in the house for that next month. I drank a lot of beer, <laughs> you know, and whatever. And then I joined the
0: Marine Corps, man. That's awesome. Well, let's uh, take a quick break. Man. And when we come back, we're going to dig even deeper with TJ Downs. Yeah, because one of those we talked about in the uh, production uh, trailer, he told us about some stories about, I guess, post-Marines heading to Europe for a while. Oh, yeah. Such a freaking cool story. Man. You're the man, TJ. I gotta tell <laughs> sure you, man. On, no, no, nah, no. you're a good dude, man. More stories uh, with TJ Downs as we are hanging out with uh, my man here on Two Shots on a Barrel. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Jim Bo for Two Shots on a Barrel hanging out with my buddy Jay bo What's going on? Dude, I'm here to tell you, you are doing something right if you're good in two towns. Two towns? Two towns, you're the best of everything. Big old tires, Billy Taft is the best in Barnstown and the best in Lebanon. I tell you what, he's been doing it Perfect for many years and he won once again and he's won again in Marion County. How does this guy, how is he so good, J-Bo? He, customer service. You're number one when you walk in his building. He offers all sorts of things, not just tires. He offers uh, alignments, brakes, all changes, and more. And he has two locations, Bargetown. You can call Barnstown location, 502-348-0880, and in Lebanon, and 270 692 1013 dude is rocking and rolling at big old tires if you're having any kind of tire pressure issue if you're having any if you have any questions yeah billy's always there for you don't be bashful just pull right in go check your tires for you make sure you're safe and ready for the you you know another cool thing about billy taff he loves bourbon and he loves two shots on a barrel that's right and we love billy Taff. absolutely course. go see our brother billy Taft big O tires lebanon and bardstown kentucky
2: paying rent? Do you dream of owning your own home? Now's the time to make that dream a reality. Call Lisa 270-402-4036. Have you outgrown your current home, need more space, or just the opposite? Are you looking to downsize? Call Lisa, 270-402-4036. Whether buying or selling, now is the time. Call Lisa, 270-402-4036. Lisa Kearns Realtor, exit Realty Bluegrass, 270-402-4036. Call or text Lisa Kearns, the helpful agent.
3: Marion County Trail could be the best value in bourbon-themed travel in Kentucky you'll experience one of the kentucky bourbon trails crown jewels one of the bourbon trail craft tours top rated stops and something you can't find anywhere else organized tours of a bourbon barrel manufacturing facility all in one place it's the marion county trail take your time to tour dine shop and stay all along the way explore world famous maker's mark a hot ticket item on the kentucky bourbon trail Limestone Branch Distillery, home of world-famous Yellowstone Bourbon and one of the top-rated stops on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail Craft Tour. Kentucky Cooperage, the sprawling plant where the thriving bourbon industry's barrels are hand-built and seared with fire for bourbon-aging flavor. And Lebanon, home of wonderful dining opportunities from home-cooked to chef-driven. Unique shopping opportunities, nowhere else to be found murals for your selfies and overnight accommodations that range from traditional to bed-and-breakfast to bourbon-themed. Go to VisitLebanonKY.com for more details. Lebanon Tourist and Convention Commission. 270-692-0021. 270 21 Hey, the Bo
0: Brothers are back in action and we could not do it without our good buddy Terry Woolley and what a comeback Terry Come Woolley is making, J-Bo. Heart. Hey, I, the, the little birdie told me he has a new CD coming out very soon. Possibly a Christmas album, possibly a religious album. I hope he does both. Absolutely. And right now, he's got so many great songs out there. You can check them all out on Spotify, iTunes, you name it. You can go and get all of the music from Terry Woolley or you can go to his if website. That is terrywooley.com. He's a great friend of two shots on a barrel. We love that guy. Go uh, check him out today. That's right. It's terrywooley.com. Didn't take me long, couple years, or so Decided to make a brand new. It's the bowl brothers for Sunnyside Side Saloon. What's Sunnyside Saloon? It is just the best Airbnb in bourbon country it's located at 125 north depot street in lebanon kentucky and Jaybo. it's also the home for two shots on the barrel we love this place and i'm sure you're gonna love it as well especially if you're on the bourbon trail hitting all the distillers this is the perfect place to drop your bourbon off stay the night and do it all again the next day if you want more information on sunnyside saloon it's easy go to the world wide web sunnysidesaloon.com You'll be able to check it all out, make your reservations, and then spend your time in bourbon country while resting in the prime spot that is Sunnyside Saloon. Back to two shots on a barrel. Hanging out with uh, at least one cool dude today. That's exactly right. The other dude's not so cool, and that would be me. But uh, <laughs> I'm over here drinking some Johnny Drum for the first time, and it's not
3: bad. It
0: is it, not. It's a Willet product. It's a, I, honestly, I got a full disclosure. Not, I'm not even ever heard of that bourbon. I, you know, I I haven't either. But I saw it, and I was like, well, let's it's, try. It. It, it's it's not bad. Um, pretty pretty darn tasty. Doing the job, yeah. I'm, I'm I hung mean, up it's at, not Monk's Road, man. No, exactly. Not. I yeah. mean, let, let's, let's keep it real. Yeah, yeah keep yeah. it real. You know that Monk's Road is some good good stuff, but uh, man, what a what a story! Mm-hmm. Uh, that just hanging out with uh, with our man T J Downs, and uh, uh, I love you even more, man. Just, <laughs> just, just this paint, you know, refining we're, we're right. this. Uh, it was kind of like painting this portrait of what we've known the last two and a half months. Yeah. Of it's, it's amazing. So. When we left off, you mentioned the Marines. You're yeah, like, sir. this is one of those either I'm gonna I'm gonna die moments or I gotta do something different. Mm-hmm. And so, paint us through that Marine that stint with the Marine Corps. Yeah, man. So
1: I left in um, September of '08. Like I said, that recruiter got me out of there. I left in I want to say it was either September or October '08 went to boot camp, did all that stuff. I signed up for infantry when I went in. That was my main thing. You know, I guess I watched too many damn movies or whatever, (laughs) but I was, you know, that's what I wanted to do. Um, And uh, got through that, went to infantry school, and then jumped into uh, a battalion. And So
0: so for the novices, infantry means you were going to be on the – Front lines.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. What, what, what's yeah, that? Yeah, basically. So, yeah. So, infantry arms is, you know, pretty much uh, riflemen and uh, um, machine gunners, everything organic to an infantry platoon. But, yes. So, I mean, that's what we do. Like, so uh, I guess uh, so many of my friends are about to call me a boot right now. But the uh, <laughs> mission of a Marine Corps rifle squad is to locate, close with, and destroy the enemy. Uh, by fire and assault or repel them in in, enemies, assault by, uh, fire and close combat. So, um, that's what kind of what they drill in your brain. That's what you do. And, um, so I hung out with that and, uh, got dropped into one out of North Carolina. I was in that unit, uh, for just, um, just about five years. I had a four-year contract, but I actually extended to go on my last deployment, so I ended up going over that, and so I did that from '08 to 13, and then um, after 2013, I would, so there was a time in the Marine Corps where I would have signed a, a piece of paper there for a 30-year contract, right? I was that motivated. What but, what made what made you what made you like um, I, I want to do this? Well, man, I just I was good at it. I mean, I'm just going to be real. It was just my thing. You know, it was almost my niche. It was just I was like Forrest Gump, man. You know right. what I'm saying? It just came naturally to me, like. And uh, I gained leadership roles pretty quick. Like uh, uh, I was a boot. Uh, you know, on my first deployment, and what's that a, mean? A boot in the Marine Corps for an infantry guy. Well, okay, so uh, it, whatever. I'm not going to be careful. I was about to say I was going to be careful, but if it <laughs> hurts feelings, whatever, that's on them. But so for infantry, a boot is if you've never deployed to war or if you've okay. never deployed, okay. like you're a boot, All right? right? So you're basically nothing until right. you do that, right? So now, if you go to a pogue, which is a uh, personnel other than grunt, so that would be like a, um, supporting asset, maybe artillery. Uh, I, I mention artillery cause I want to drive home to them that they are pogues. That's probably going to make some, <laughs> it's just a joke. I got some artillery buddies that's going to be like, we're, 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 we're grunts too. We matter. But so anyway, so that, that's how that rose. And, um, you know, so I was a boot. On, on my first pump, I was a boot, but I was still a team leader. Um, I just did well, man. And then I just rose fast with everything. And it just it was just came natural to me. So, um, they, and it taught me so much. You know, a lot of people, they get out of the military and they have nothing but bad things to say about it. And those people probably sucked in the military. Right. I'm just going to be real. If they got out of the military and they're like, well, it was this, it was that. Well, you probably didn't. You didn't do well. Because you didn't try. Right. I mean, you can get out of the Marine Corps, or the Army, or the Air Force, whatever you put into it. And if you're the type of guy that, like, get out and all you have to say about them is bad things, then you probably wasn't very good at it. Right. You know, and you probably didn't put into it what you should have. So, um, again, I'm not trying to throw blows. I'm just being real on that. And Safe uh, to say that you found yourself. Yeah. Yeah, truly. And so... I did all that, and like I said, in 2013 or 2012, I was actually on a Mew, and I was out in the middle of the Mediterranean Ocean, and the politics of the Marine Corps was really starting to change. Like, when I had came in, for instance, when I was a boot, like, if you said something stupid to one of your seniors, they either knocked you out or... You know, and you did some pretty extensive type exercises, right? Like, you just didn't do it. Right. There were things that ha- – there's things when it comes to war type mindset that ha- they have to be that way. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that argue that today, and they've probably never been to war, so they probably shouldn't be even speaking up about it. But um, th- that's the thing. It's like – you got mothers of America or you got all these people that are sitting in some AC office right now as we speak that are th- saying, hey, um, I know what's best on how to train someone to go to war. Well, I'm sorry, but if you've never been to war, you ain't got a fucking clue what it takes nope. to stay alive in war. So much like me, is if if I were sitting in a room with the, the Chicago Bulls basketball team, I ain't going to tell them how to take a jump shot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I ain't going to tell them when to pass the ball because mm-hmm. – I ain't even on their level of thought when it comes to competing at that high of a level. Right. Well, if you would humble yourself in that situation, how are you not going to humble yourself in a situation about something where people are losing their lives? Right. Maybe your opinion isn't valuable here. And again, everybody's entitled to one, but maybe it's not valuable in that aspect. So sorry right. to go on that little rant. I just wanted to hit that real quick for people that think that Their opinion matters on changing policies on how we should train or um, how we should treat people as we train them. Just I hope that anyone knows this. Listen, if I could drive home any point today that your opinion doesn't matter on that. It just doesn't and it shouldn't. Unless you're going to lace up your boots and go for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I get it if your kid's going to take part in that or whatever, but that's their choice. Um, That was a big thing with me. Like when I joined, I joined. I literally went in there and begged to join. There was no draft. Nobody held a gun to my head. I signed up for that. So, um, But anyway, before I go off on too big of a tangent on that, um, yeah, so I did very well. I got out, and the reason I got out, like I said, the politics were changing. It was coming into a more huggy and kissy type thing because Mothers of America have literally watered it down or whatever organization you want to say. And uh, they're basically, they're literally lowering the standard for how we train our uh, troops, which to me is pretty scary, but that's what happens. And so then you had somebody like me that was a very good Marine and, uh, there's nobody I served over or under that wouldn't agree with me on that. I'm very confident on that. There's nobody that would be able to be like, he wasn't a good Marine. Like I was. So, um, so you got guys like me to get out because we're like, if you're going to tie my hands behind my back and not let me train, my, like there's things I disagree with. Do I think you should haze them until they die? No. But do I think if somebody doesn't know a nine line or an artillery report or whatever it is they need to know, and I make them do push-ups while they scream it out, that's going to teach it to them, and it's going to make them stronger. Like those are like techniques that you can't do now, which is insane to me. I can't tell a guy to do push-ups. That's that's, that's what it is now. Hazing now <laughs> is if I told you to do push-ups if you're in my platoon, and I said, you know what, if it's outside of what we call PT time, which is in the mornings, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I say, Jim, you didn't know your nine line, drop down give me 20. I could get in trouble for that now. That's you know? crazy. Oh, and it's, it's happening, man. It truly is. I got buddies that are in the drill field right now that are at Paris Island, South Carolina, and you get in trouble if you cuss in front of a recruit. If you say a swear word in front of a recruit, dude, when I went to Paris Island, I thought my name was bitch. <laughs> like, when, I, when my parents picked me up a graduation day, they were like, hey, TJ. I was like, what? Who the fuck that guy? Yeah, I thought my name was bitch, right? Yeah. And again, I know that to some people, they hear that and they're like, <gasps> Why would you say that to a human? Guess what, sweetheart? That human is about to go to the worst environment imaginable Mm -hmm. and fight other humans to the death. Yep. Mm -hmm. Period. Now, that's literally what happens when you go to war. You go to the worst environment you could think of, especially in Afghanistan and Iraq. I mean, it's terrible. And you're fighting other humans to the death. And the humans that we're fighting have been fighting their whole life. They're, They're not practicing on paper targets and everything that we're practicing on back here right like their practice their training is with live human beings man so Mm -hmm. if you think you're doing your son or daughter a favor to make sure that they're getting coddled while they're there you're really not you're helping them
0: get killed that's Mm -hmm. literally what you're doing so um if i mean if you're on the (laughs) if you're on the front lines you're protecting your brother, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, brother and sister. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got to be. I, I want a TJ in front of me. Besides, a, I don't want a pam- mama's boy. Like, I don't want to pan- Somebody's been pampered. Nope. No,
1: no, nope. right? No, because it's not going to prep you for that, man. And uh, you know, a big thing I remember uh, when I was a boot is we did this thing called police call. So every day you got off you um you got in a line all the boots we got in a line in the grass around the barracks so a barracks room is uh, which now they got elevators and shit like it's beautiful but <laughs> us it was like a prison i'm serious but i liked it like that that's what keeps you tight but so we just picture a building in the middle of like a big grass field right and we would line up on the grass and some one of your seniors stands behind you and says take a step look down and you pick up trash all the way around the barracks and so it might be a cigarette butt what they were big on is they would throw little plastic bbs out there like the aerosol bb Mm -hmm. you better find them right well so you might get 20 30 40 50 60 70 feet around the barracks and they'll go hey hey you missed one and it's like a little bb you missed in the grass
0: get back start over
1: well they're on duty for 24 hours anyway right So you might, dude, I've been on police calls for four hours before. You You get off at 3 p.m., you don't get done police calling until 7, right? Which, at the time, I hated them. I was like, man, how big of a piece of shit are you? Why are you being (laughs) like, God dang, i got stuff I want to do, right? But then, man, I never forget, like, my first pump. And, like, all of us, dude, we'd be driving down the road, and if there was, like, trash, I mean, just something that wasn't supposed to be there, we immediately saw it, Right. And I know some people are going to listen to that and roll their eyes and be like, you could teach that some other way. Well, then what way you got then, homie? Right, right. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? But it worked. Yeah. And I could go on for six hours about what it takes to really do that. Hell, I could go on way longer. But my point is, is like, if you ain't done it and if you ain't going to do it, then please just sit down and shut up. Yes. You know, that's just where I'm at with it. But um, anyway, uh, before I don't want to get too caught up on that. So got out in 2013 and uh, moved on, and so my original plan when I got out was to work for a federal job. I had several in, right? I had a big plan, right, which some veterans don't, but a lot of veterans do too, and hire and freeze. Oh. Like, literally, the week after I separated, that's when the economy just went, mm-hmm. hire and freeze, so all my applications and with the federal jobs went, I put 36 applications in um, For other businesses Law enforcement um, Everything I got called back by three I interviewed one For a um, bank installment company I got hired on with them for nine bucks an hour and I want you to keep in mind, again, at the level I was working at in the Marine Corps, I was a, by the time I was getting out, I was a squad leader and platoon sergeant, okay? So, the logistics aspect, the type of training I went through to know those jobs is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's pretty high level. So, then I get a $9 an hour job working as a tool, what, what I would call a tool guy, for right. a guy that was installing ATMs. And uh, I remember the first time it kind of hit me in the face of none of what you just did fucking matters is when he tried to explain to me how to sweep a parking lot. Oh, shit. And, uh, and I don't know, and again, man, I ain't trying to be all dramatic, but it's just like, bro, do you know what the fuck I just got done doing? Right. Yeah. I don't need you to tell me how to fucking sweep a parking lot. Mm. I was just in charge of sometimes 12 to 16 dudes at war. Okay. And, you know why people are trying to kill us? Like I was the guy that was like, "Hey, we need to do this right," and now you're telling me how to sweep a parking lot. It's so. it's, it's like disgraceful almost. So, so well, your self worth just plummets, man. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. So, um, and to add on to that, while I got when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was a pretty heavy alcoholic at that point. Um That's how all of us, especially in the infantry, handle shit. Um, when you get back from pumps or you just have a bad time period, um, it's kind of a running joke. Like, hey, if you need to go see the wizard, go see the wizard. And the wizard's a psychiatrist, right? Oh, okay. But they kind of laugh at it off there. And again, I'm not trying to hit the Marine Corps. It's just the instruments within. Um, but it's very frowned upon to say that you're having weak mental shit. I mean. And so uh, that was the issue with us. And when I got out, and all that stuff started happening. I was having mental issues that I didn't know I was even having, right? because I thought I was too tough to have those, so I'm just drowning it with booze and I did that for years, man. and then well, after my first year out, I actually got stage four cancer yeah yeah, so i uh I like oh shit say I, I about skipped over this, but. I get out, I get the banking style job, right. and then I got hired on my uh, best friend, one of my best friends at the time, his name's JC, he was on a flight with a guy that ran a mercenary group, and he was like, dude, I got a buddy that would be perfect, da, 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 da. he hooks me up with this dude, we, we start talking, long story short, get the job with this mercenary group, I was going to go, I was going to lead a team in Iraq, we were going to guard hospitals, And so it was going to be bank. It was was like literally my dream job. Right. And like a week before the physical, I found out I have stage four. I found out that I had testicular cancer that had spread to my stomach, my lungs, lymph nodes, part of my brain. You are shitting me. No, man. True story. And I was like, uh, next time I was like in between, I had a relationship going but it was just – I was toxic with that too. I was, so, I was just too drunk all the time. And then – um, so I I do the chemo and all of that. And while I'm doing that again, I'm going even further down the road of just drinking all the – because I couldn't work at that point. I was doing nothing but staying home and um just drinking and going crazy, man. And then um, 2014-ish towards the end is when I was in complete remission. And – I started clawing at the world again, right? But, again, I'm lost at this point. I just went from a high-level guy that a lot of people are dependent on me to uh, keep them alive in, in bad environments. Um, I'm in charge of millions of dollars of equipment, Yet, I still am going to work for people, and they're looking at me like, I'm still climbing a totem pole with that. And I I understand that any place you go, you got to climb that pole. But there's no, like, have you not looked at my resume? Do you not see what I can do for you? Mm -hmm. It's just frustrating because you're going, man, I can literally do whatever you want me to do, and Mm -hmm. I'll do it well. But it's like... They look at you, especially if you're a Marine, and especially if you look like me. I mean, look at me. Uh, I know I'm I, I'm no fool to this. I'm covered in tattoos. I look, you know, I look like a convict almost. <laughs> but
0: in their mind, I like the tats, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hell yeah. <laughs> in their mind,
1: <laughs> like I'm just a a grunt. All I know how to do is pull a trigger and blow shit up. But it's just so far from the truth, man. They don't understand the type of logistics programs that we go through in administration and just learning how to lead speech. You go to speech classes in the Marine Corps, dude. I used to write book reports in the Marine Corps, like we're very especially at a higher leadership level. uh, we're very educated, man. We don't have a college degree. that ain't the piece of paper we have, but we had we're very educated people, like it's just we just are. And you don't get any recognition for that. So um, I think that's when it starts to plummet. So I think like 2015-ish is when I went into the mental ward the first time. I was just done. I um, I mean, I was done, man. I, I didn't want to live anymore. And um, I knew that. I, something has always spoke to me in the back of my brain when I was getting to those points. It was like, get help. Go find somebody. Do this now. Don't do what you're about to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I called my cousin and uh, Brandon, and he has literally probably saved my life about 50 times when it comes to that. But um, he took me in to the VA up there in, um, in Louisville, and I think I stayed impatient for about three weeks at that time. And what's crazy is, is within those three weeks, I know shit probably had 17 diagnoses, right? So that's what they do. 17. Oh, dude, well, I mean, it's probably an exaggeration. Without exaggerating, not lying, I would say eight, my bad. But literally, that's and that's, and that's true. Okay, but so I would sit in there, and this is how it goes. And those mental wards, like, they come in every morning, they give you a pill, right? They give you a plethora of pills. Uh, to get on and you sit there for and you take them that day if i'm not shitting you the guy would come in the next morning the doctor would and he goes so how do you feel and i say well you know i don't fucking know man <laughs> like, <laughs> i, I kind of feel the same i did yesterday i feel sleepy and right yeah and i told him like every time like i kind of feel stupid because i did it like fogged you it just fogged me and he go oh, okay and he'd write down on his little thing and and he'd scratch it out and put me on something different. And we did that for three weeks. Like I went through I can't tell you how many different antidepressants and mm. antipsychotics and all this I was on. And again, with me trying to tell them, like, man, I'm an alcoholic too. I'm doing all this stuff. Nothing. I'm a prior drug addict doing all this stuff, nothing. Like they would tell me, like, they would don't worry, we're gonna cover that in groups because you got group counseling there. And this isn't me really throwing songs at the VA organization. I think there's a lot of them that are doing well or trying. They do try. They got a lot of shit to take care of. Mm-hmm. But I got to be real and say, hey, they their method needs to kind of be brushed up a little bit. But so, yeah. So, anyway, I did all that. And um, I finally get out three weeks later, and I'm on, like, a cocktail, man. And I went nuts. Like, it got to the point where I was hearing shit. Like, uh, I was seeing things come in my driveway. Like, my paranoia was through the roof. And none of this is from PTSD, what everybody right. calls PTSD. We're not, and I believe PTSD is real. And uh, it's a very hard struggle for a lot of people. But what I think that we kind of overlook is the way that we're treating it. And for a lot of the troops, for me especially, we treated it very wrong. That's what got me to the point where I was even more crazy so I left uh, the VA. I was nuts. I was dating someone at the time. And for about a month after that, I laid in bed at night, and I would just be like, man, like, what the hell is going on? I just didn't know who I was, right? Like, mm-hmm. everything had been was just different. The way I was thinking of things, it just wasn't me, and I knew it. And I looked at my girlfriend at the time, and I said, it, one night, it was like, on a Thursday, I'll never forget it. And we were watching a commercial on TV, and it was something about seeing the world. And I said, I looked at Michelle, and that's the girl I was dating at the time. I said, hey, I'm out. Like, I'm gone. She's like, what do you mean? I said, I'm leaving. I got up, and I started, I had cash stored all over the house. I just got up and started grabbing the cash and all this stuff. And I said, I'm bouncing, man. I'm going, I'm going somewhere. I have no idea. But you can have the house, whatever's in it, I don't care. But I'm gone. And that's what I did, dude. I went around, and I, I grabbed all that, and I called my best friend at the time, and I said, dude, are you my friend? He said, yeah. I said, well, will you come get me and take me to the airport? He goes, where are you going? It's Like, like I said, it's like 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday. I said, man, I'm going to – I don't know. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm getting, it's somewhere away from here. And, you know, I, I take off. My friend got me a one-way ticket to New York. I flew up there and hung out with her. She was like my sister. I grew up with her. And, um, from there, I stayed there about a week and she goes, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I just need to be away from this shit. I need to be off these pills. I need to be away from booze. I just need to, I need to reset it, like myself. And, uh, I planned a trip in Canada. I was going to hike across Canada and then hop a ferry over to, um, Greenland and then down in Iceland and all that crap and then as I was looking for that stuff I found a one way ticket to Ireland for like 270 bucks awesome out of New York and I'm like
0: let's roll and that's what I did man that's awesome so um, we're gonna I we're did. gonna uh, we're gonna talk about that uh, trip because I I have to feel like that you're gonna tell us that it was therapy that you could never get an appeal oh man and so I want to hear about that. I'm just blown away, TJ. Just blown away. You're the man. I love oh, this. I love, man, this. No, I love no, this journey. No, I'm just I, a human, dude. Just no. Me. But this journey, dude, is is leading it to the guy that we got to meet two months ago at Long And so this is cool. Stick around. We got more two shots on the way. You're not gonna want to miss this one, man. TJ Downs hanging out with a U.S. veteran. Thank you for your service. Hey, this is Jim Bow for Two Shots on a Barrel, hanging out with my buddy Jay Bow. What's going on? Dude, I'm here to tell you, you are doing something right if you're good in two towns. Two towns? Two towns, you're the best of everything. Big old tires. Billy Taft is the best I, in Barnstown and the best in Lebanon. I tell you what, he's been doing it. Perfect for many years, and he won once again, and he's won again in Marion County. How does this guy, how is he so good, j He's customer service. You're number one when you walk in his building. He offers all sorts of things, not just tires. He offers uh, alignments, brakes, oil changes, and more. And he has two locations, Bardstown. You can call Bardstown location, 502-348-0880, and in Lebanon, 270 692 1013, dude is rocking and rolling at big old tires. If you're having any kind of tire pressure issue, if you're having any, if you have any questions, yeah, Billy's always there for you. Don't be bashful, just pull right in, go check your tires for you, make sure you're safe and ready for the. You run. know, another cool thing about Billy Taff, he loves bourbon and he loves two shots on a barrel. That's right, and we love Billy Taff. Absolutely, sure. go see our brother Billy Taff. Big O tires, Lebanon, and Bardstown, Kentucky.
2: tired of paying rent? Do you dream of owning your own home? Now is the time to make that dream a reality. Call Lisa 270-402-4036. Have you outgrown your current home? Need more space? Or just the opposite? Are you looking to downsize? Call Lisa 270-402-4036. Whether buying or selling, now is the time. Call Lisa 270-402-4036. Lisa Kearns Realtor, exit Realty Bluegrass. 270-402-4036. Call or text Lisa kearns the helpful agent
3: marion county trail could be the best value in bourbon themed travel in kentucky you'll experience one of the kentucky bourbon trails crown jewels one of the bourbon trail craft tours top rated stops and something you can't find anywhere else organized tours of a bourbon barrel manufacturing facility all in one place it's the marion county trail take your time to tour dine shop and stay all along the way Explore world-famous Maker's Mark, a hot-ticket item on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Limestone Branch Distillery, home of world-famous Yellowstone Bourbon, and one of the top-rated stops on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail craft tour. Kentucky Cooperage, the sprawling plant where the thriving bourbon industry's barrels are hand-built and seared with fire for bourbon-aging flavor. And Lebanon, home of wonderful dining opportunities from home-cooked to chef-driven. Unique shopping opportunities, nowhere else to be found murals for your selfies, and overnight accommodations that range from traditional to bed and breakfast to bourbon-themed. Go to VisitLebanonKY.com for more details. Lebanon Tourist and Convention Commission. Two seven zero six nine two zero zero twenty one.
0: Hey, the Bo brothers are back in action and we could not do it without our good buddy Terry Woolley and what a comeback Terry Woolley is making, j Hey, I, there, The little birdie told me he has a new CD coming out very soon. Possibly a Christmas album, possibly a religious album. I hope he does both. Absolutely and right now he's got so many great songs out there. You can check them all out on Spotify, iTunes, you name it. You can go and get all of the music from Terry Woolley or you can go to his website. That is terrywooley.com. He's a great friend of two shots on a barrel. We love that guy. Go uh, check him out today. That's right. It's terrywooley.com. Didn't take me long, couple years, or so Decided to make a brand new. It's a bowl brothers for Sunnyside Side Saloon. What's Sunnyside Saloon? It is just the best Airbnb in bourbon country it's located at 125 north depot street in lebanon kentucky and Jaybo, it's also the home for two shots on the barrel we love this place and i'm sure you're gonna love it as well especially if you're on the bourbon trail hitting all the distillers this is the perfect place to drop your bourbon off stay the night and do it all again the next day if you want more information on sunnyside saloon it's easy go to the world wide web sunnysidesaloon.com You'll be able to check it all out, make your reservations, and then spend your time in bourbon country while resting in the prime spot that is Sunnyside Saloon. Hey, hope you're enjoying our show today. Hanging out with TJ Downs, great story, man. I'm loving this story we're hearing today. We got some great sponsors on Two Shots on a Barrel. Boy, we're so fortunate. We got a brand new one, Jaybo. Don McCauley Law Office Oh I love Don McCauley She is a bad <laughs> She reminds me of TJ in a way She is the female version of TJ Yeah cool, she man. is a bad SOB <laughs> Listen this TJ The girl broke both her ankles Showed up to court Laid a smack down on some people And then walked back to her law office Tight. On two broken <laughs> ankles that's how tough That's Donna is she's, she's a Ja T J Downs kinda uh, she's kinda awesome. kinda gal, right? She she, she is so tougher. Oh she, she's, she is a badass outside of the courtroom and in the courtroom. Yeah, so for your legal needs, we suggest you give Don a call and, and Daryl is, is kind of what is he, what is Daryl to the Don, McC- other than it's Don's husband, right? But what what does what would you say? I would say, look, since he's like seven foot tall, I would say personal security. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I mean, no, he's just a, a legit dude. He, yeah, he does the grunt work around there, and and uh, I'm not sure they could uh, do it all without him. So he's just a great guy. No, we appreciate their sponsorship and. Uh, Really, we've got the best sponsors ever on Two Shots on a Barrel. We're blessed. Uh, we get to come and, and just hang out and shoot the uh, shit uh, and, and tell stories of dudes like TJ Downs uh, every podcast that we do. Love T J Downs, man. And I think I, the story's still going strong. I mean, we're just really in the meat and potatoes of the whole thing. Yeah, man. I've, I feel like there's a movie in the works here or some kind of shit.
1: <laughs> man, I hope not. I don't know. I don't know who played me. But um no nah, man. Um and yeah, and that's what I told y'all when I came. I'm like, you know, if if I'm getting too long-winded on something, tell me, I'll, I'll move on. But no, I um, see,
0: I see like the series. I see a TJ right. down series, don't you, Jay? I Bo? do too, man. But TJ, I have friends that's in the military, out of the military, struggling. Yeah, struggling. So hearing yeah. your voices might be just what they need to hear.
1: Well, I mean, and if they are, man, and, and there are, I mean, not if. There's for sure a lot right now and uh it is happening man
2: just like you got, I told you you got guys brothers when I sat down
1: here yeah when i told you guys when i sat down here i just recently uh lost uh one of my marines that uh i trained uh, to uh, uh suicide and you know i've lost several brothers that you know i was peers with uh since i've gotten out the it was actually the first or the second one that I had trained since i gotten out that did that. And it was, uh, for me, that was a harder one to swallow. But um, it's rough, period. So, yeah, I want to say before I go on with anything that anybody that's listening to this, especially my brothers and sisters in arms or that are out of arms at this point, like there there is a light to the end of the tunnel and there's a way for you to find it. But it's not easy, you know much like anything else in life but uh, you can get there man so yeah so anyway um, if you want me to pick back up with yes alright so I bust over into Ireland and um man, I just started like hitchhiking around and hopping trains and
0: you're like, um, you're basically just a backpack, right? Yeah, man. I, um,
1: I went to one of those fancy dancy malls in New York city where my friend lived and I just bought a bunch of gear and, um, that was it. And I just bounced out from there and, uh, I had my pack and I don't know. And I just, I, my whole spiel for myself, and I, I need you to keep in mind that, and a lot of people are like, "Oh my God, why would you do this?" But I quit every med I was on cold turkey. At this point, and I just quit. I quit that, the booze, whatever. I just said, "I'm not, I'm done doing this shit." It makes me feel like an idiot anyway. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting that to anyone. I don't. Right. I'm not saying that anybody should do that. I'm just telling you that's what I did. And so, like, my first, my first, hell, two months in Europe was pretty interesting, right? Because right, sure. I was coming off on all that stuff. I'll never forget, man, when I landed in Ireland, I was watching the movie Southpaw. Have you ever seen it with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal? He's the boxer, right? Gotcha. So yeah. I'm on one of those big flights, and it's got the cool TV in front of you, and you get to pick all these movies because it was like a six-and-a-half-hour flight. And I watched Southpaw and like dude, like I cried all the way through that movie. Like and I remember like landing and I'm like blubbering crying at this point. <laughs> and the lady next to me is like, Are you okay? And I was like, and it just hit me. I'm like, damn, I just landed in Ireland in a fucking backpack. Like, where the fuck am I going right now? And I, I was like, No, I'm not okay. At all. I just told her. I was just I was a nut, dude and so um yeah so i hitchhiked around ireland for a while and i pretty much saw all south ireland i was there for 32 days uh i busted out of there went to Amsterdam, and um uh I caught so, a flight. so what
0: was a typical day or the early days what was i mean when you know it's easy to say i had a backpack and i'm in ireland but how would you feel? That how would you feel the days? Okay, so honestly, man, at first I was kind of guessing, right? But
1: I wanted structure because that's the marine in me that was like, "Hey, you need to have a plan. You need to know where you're going." So literally, like a boot, I uh, sat down with this notebook and I had like all my routes planned out. Like I'm going from here to here. It's going to take me this many steps. Da 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 da. All that crap, right? This how long it should take me to get to this place? Well, so my first. Place I wanted to go to, I'm wanting to say was, uh, damn it, what was the name? Athlone. Athlone, Ireland is where I went. I, I landed in Dublin and I hit a route over because I wanted to get to the west coast to see the cliffs of Moher and all that. So I hit Athlone, Ireland and it ended up having like the world's oldest pub. It's called Sean's Pub. And I was sitting there and, and uh, I was rubbing elbows with just some small Irish villagers that couldn't believe what i was fucking doing right. i told them. Yeah. i was telling them like i'm telling y'all i've yeah. always been an open book with shit and uh they were like well you need to go here you need to go here you need to go here well none of the places they were telling me to go were on my route right so i was like okay maybe i should just throw this over route thing out the door and just make sure that i'm getting somewhere dry every night which i've learned pretty quickly it's pretty impossible when i live it's like seattle it just rains all the time so after that, I like went to Galway, and again I was all crazy because I was on a, I was coming off all these pills, so I lost my wallet oh, you know, know. in Galway. But again, the one thing this is why like Ireland's my favorite country in the world. You're around so many hospitable people; they just helped me out, you know, until I could get a means of um, cash. Well, and so I stayed in Galway like a hotel there that they let me stay in for free because they knew I lost my wallet. Fed me for like two days. And then turn me out once I got my shit squared away. And so then it turned into like, I would find a destination I wanted to go to and hang out at. And then as soon as I would get there, my plan would always be to find work. Cause I'm like, Hey, I'm going to see if I can just find a way to make a little bit more money to get me into my next spot. I had, a, I'm wanting to say like four grand at the time that I accumulated. And I know a lot of people, that's not much, but in my plan was, and this is exactly what I did. I, I eat beef jerky and peanuts all damn day. Right? <laughs> I would eat out sometimes, but most time it was jerky and peanuts. And uh, so yeah, so I would, every village I would get to, I would literally go door to door on all their businesses and be like, "Hey, you need anything done? Da-da-da-da. I know how to paint. I know how to do this. I'm uh, I can do carpentry." Yeah, uh, So I ended up working in a couple cafes in Ireland. Like for this one guy, I did some plumbing and I painted a bathroom and he let me stay in the top of his cafe for like a week so I got a free room and got some food and then um, I ended up discovering this site called Workaway it's like Facebook and you set up a profile and you just tell everything you can do and then people will start to reach out to you and go hey like from all over Italy Spain France it doesn't matter and they'll go hey if you're coming through here at this time I need a fence fixed and if you Fix my fence. I'll feed you for three or four days. And so once I found that, it was over. I was <laughs> like, let's roll. So I just started. That would be my thing. Like during the day, I would go find Wi-Fi in the morning. That was like my structure, I guess. I'd go find Wi-Fi, check on my stuff, make sure I was planning stuff to get to people in different areas. And then the rest of the day, dude, I would just go and like sit at like Cool Park, Ireland. Like I, I went there a lot. And that is where the book, The Secret Garden, that's mm-hmm. where that was uh, inspired by. And you can go back there, and there's this tree, and it's got like Oscar Wilde and James Joyce and all these names carved into it from where they used to sit there and write. Oscar Wilde's like one of my favorite poets. So I would just go, you know, trying to find yourself type shit, like hokey-dokey where you're just sitting there and let the wind blow you through your hair. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like on the movies where you're just like, "Eh," like a Hallmark car, like, "Ah, this is what's going to turn me into the new (laughs) me. You know, and just finding yourself, man. And I think that so many people, they don't realize – that a lot of their mental health right now, especially in this country, because we're grinders here in America, people don't realize it, it takes you stepping out of this country, and going to other countries like we get after it. People try to say lazy Americans and this, that, and the other. And there may be statistically, do we got a lot of lazy people? Of course. But when you want to talk about the ones that grind, we grind, bro. Mm-hmm. And there ain't nobody that grinds like we grind. Just so
0: over there, you, you, it was more chill? Oh, my God. Are you
1: serious? Like, Europeans, man,
0: <laughs> they ain't
1: getting it like we get it, man. They don't. I love them for it. But, yeah, like, they're getting up at, like, 8, 9. They're, they're chilling there, and they, they're taking their little two-hour lunches, and they're done by, you know, 4, if, if at. You know, like, that's just how they roll over there. They're... Mental health, I guess, is what you would say is very important to them. They they take it into account. And uh, what I always try to stress to people about that European trip for me, did it fix my mental issues? No. But um, it definitely helped me get to a place where I could uh, jump over the obstacles
0: a little easier, right? He found
1: you? Yeah, of course. Ned, like I will never forget one night, man, and I was in Ireland. And I'm wanting to say I was right outside of this little town called Ennis. And it was right before I met a good friend of mine named John Marshall who ran a um, hostel there in that night my dumb ass at this time right because I don't have any weather apps on my phone or whatever I'm just faking it I'm, again I'm crazy I'm coming off all these pills but <laughs> <laughs> there was a damn hurricane in Ireland at this point oh my god shit you not dude and I'm laying out there one night and I my, my uh, practice at nighttime, like in a village I'd find a place to camp I'd walk out and I would knock on somebody's door and I'd be like hey do you mind if I sleep in your field over here I'll take all my trash blah, blah, blah. Irish people are cool as shit dude they're like yeah go for it so i was out in the middle of this field one night and my poncho was uh or my tent was a poncho literally just poncho i had bought and i had tied 550 cord before uh between these two trees like i'm trying to be like you know just one with earth right it's <laughs> <point>. I'm, <laughs> I'm the tough marine guy i want everybody to know it And, uh, I tie all the shit up, man, and, like, literally, and it was raining, like, drizzling at this point, but no wind, no nothing. Dude, three a.m. Oh my god! Poncho goes. My pack's like I'm in my underwear, <laughs> and, and like running, gathering all my stuff. It's the middle. It's pitch dark. It's just pouring rain. I'm in a foreign country. I know no one. And I just remember I gathered all my shit and I just sat there and started crying. I was like, "What the fuck are you
2: doing? Come on! Oh my god!"
1: And like it was horrible, dude. And like I get up the night. Na- like all this stuff, I just gather. And I sit there and it rains, 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 and I finally like come to my senses and I'm like, "Get your shit together! You are going to get hypothermia and die out here." So I, I got everything together the best I could, and I end up passing out like in that rain. And it, like when the the next thing I knew, like daylight was hitting, and this Irish dude who had, was the farmer of that place had like pulled up to me and was like, "What the hell are
2: you doing?" <laughs> you know,
1: he was like, "It tripped him out that I slept outside the night before." You know, it was like drizzling at this point, and I was like. Man I'm so sorry I couldn't find your house I just slept here Or whatever And he was like Man you're going to die out here Because of the hurricane (laughs) Obviously And I remember the next night Is when I It was a clear night It was as clear as it was The entire time I was in Ireland And um, No ambient light You're out in the middle of nothing There's no villages And I will never forget this night For the rest of my life I was just sitting there Like, on my pack by myself, man, and you could see every star in the sky. And then it really started to hit me, like, TJ, you don't know what day it is right now. I didn't give a fuck about a bill. I didn't give a shit about anything, right? All I could care about was the things that were holding me back. And that's when you really, truly start to connect with yourself is in those areas when you get... Like, people go to therapy, and I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking therapy or pills or whatever. I will kind of knock pills because prescribed in the wrong ways, which they usually are. They, To me, I just had a bad experience. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much, but people don't understand that a lot of the damn times when they're really trying to find themselves, they don't take the time to truly find themselves. Think about this, man. You woke up this morning, what was you doing? Think about it. What was the process? What about you, j when you woke up this morning?
0: Man, let's see. I just got up, bathroom, Food. Just try to get my kid to school. Yeah, that's
1: it. But uh, but the worries of the day start to come in, right? Yeah, yeah. All you're thinking about, man, what do I got to get done? That checklist. Yep. Those are the things, right? And yeah. then if you don't get the checklist done, then you go to bed that night, you're going, fuck, man, I didn't get this done. Yep. And yeah.
0: That's yeah. what you do. Roles.
1: And so you do that all day. You mess with your kids. You do whatever it is, whether you're a parent or whatever, but you do all these things that's expected out of you as us, as people, as society members, right? Mm-hmm. When the fuck do you take that time to go? All right, I'm gonna, You work on everything around you, right? But you, when do you work on yourself? Think about it. When never. do you? T- when do you say I'm gonna set aside this amount of time to really think about who the fuck I am and what I should be doing?
0: Yeah, never, never,
1: right? So how do you grow if you're not doing that? Are you happy? Of course, you can be happy, man. And do you have growth as it goes? Yeah. Yeah, but are you really going to truly like really experience, especially with people that have some bad shit going on in their brain? I just don't think you can multitask that type of thought process. I think you almost have to shut yourself down to the outside world for a little bit to for it to really come in. And and that's what I
0: did. You know, you but, found you found. You found TJ. Yeah.
1: I found a way to not to – or I at least found a way to try to start navigating through those waters, you know, through the shit that I just didn't understand that I was feeling at the time, whether it be PTSD or – which I want to stress that I have so many peers, and especially my seniors, that saw way worse shit in longer periods of time than I ever did. So um, with that PTSD portion – it was uh, it's not as bad as it was for them so um, you know I had that going on for me I think my main struggle was just lack of self worth again I went from I'm this big bad squad leader platoon charging guy that everybody's looking to to stay alive and I'm in charge of all these things to now I'm sweeping the fucking parking lot right yeah and that's a pretty hard hit I'm sure and it's a hard hit on your ego you know and people don't want to talk about their ego very much cuz they don't want to, they don't want to act like they have one but we all do right everybody everybody especially so we, jim especially jim <laughs> and, uh, I mean God. man yeah. we smash his fit in this room, ego. you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man and so that's what happened and um I, I literally, I had, I guess, a coming to Jesus with myself that night, and I've had about 50 others after that. But that was the one that really started to sit in with me of going, okay, this is how you take the time to start addressing your issues. And I told myself from there on, like, you're going to be honest with yourself from here on out. Because the one thing I was doing, I was lying to myself a lot. I was telling myself that all these problems were because of war or all these problems were because of alcohol or drugs or whatever. But I was never taking into account that the problems were also because of my mindset. Like I'm a firm believer, especially like with PTSD, um, depression. I know there's, you know, um, clinical depression. I know, I know, uh, that exists. Um, I could go in – we could have an entire other podcast on mental health and the family I was raised in and how that was or whatever. But just to let everybody know, I've been there, done it. I've drank that Mountain Dew, okay? So I I know what it is. But it took me a long time to admit that even with those, for instance, with with PTSD, like those um, impulses, right, those impulse – I call them impulse thoughts of – I'm going to get scared, or I'm not going to leave my house, or I'm going to be depressed. Um, They just happen, right? So you can't control the impulse thought, but you can control how you react to it, right? And for me, for years, all I did was try to control the thought. I wanted to go somewhere, whether it be the VA or the liquor store or my buddy that sells weed, And figure out a way to numb that impulse thought instead of just thinking of how I could just react to it. People say there's no cure for these mental illnesses. Maybe not. You know, the professionals say that. I'm not going to argue with them. I haven't done enough research, but I will say that you can train your mind to react to those. And that's what it did for me at first, you know, with that. So it gave me a foundation to build on. I'm going, okay. I'm going to start figuring out how the fuck I'm going to react to these things, mm-hmm. you know, and that started. So I got back in 2015 and that started the what I call the mental gymnastics, right? Um, I still had trouble with the bottle. I drank a lot or whatever. I was still doing that on and off, but I was really starting to look at things more um, objectively and uh, thinking about you know, how my actions were hurting others, because they were, man. I was, like I said, I was a terrible, I appeared to be a terrible human at times. And I think back on it now, I'm like, God, I get sick to my stomach thinking about it. But it wasn't me. You know, it was me, but it was, it was all these substances that I was putting in to try to fix it instead of just going, let's fix, let's fix this, like, let's fix the mindset again, right? People don't they, – they shrug off how important that part is. They think, if I go to the doctor and I get this pill, it's going to fix this. All i got to do is take this for six weeks, and I'll start to feel a difference. That's what the doctors tell you about Xanax or whatever. They go, hey, it's going to take a couple months, and then you'll feel different, and it'll be great. Well, why don't we take six weeks to say – to wake up in the morning and stand there and brush our teeth and tell ourselves about a good mindset? Right. Like I do my fifteen is what I call it, and I know it's hokey pokey and it's some therapist type stuff. But you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you say, I, I say five things that are good about my life. I say five things that are good about my family, and just other things that don't have anything to do with just the, the people and things that surround me. And then I say five things that are going to be good that I plan on doing that are going to make my that's going to make my life better.
0: That's cool. Everybody you know, should do that. Today it was going to be. I'm going to hang out with Jim. Yeah. Oh, y'all yeah. were definitely on the that's five, it. man. I mean, I'm lucky to get a grumble out in the mornings. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to. Oh. Uh, so so one of the cool things, man, about you and your journey and where you have gone to, mm-hmm. we got we got to see at Logsteel. Oh Oh god. Oh Two things: your beautiful bride, yes, and your beautiful baby girl. Man, tell she's, me, she's beautiful. Try, try not to cry, but tell uh, me what, the, what what that means to you, man. I, I'm just you glad know, she looks a lot like your wife because no I'm mean, nah. good lord. Right? But, but, but here's the deal. I hear that she's got a whole lot of TJ in her, no. too.
1: Oh, yeah. She's wide open, dude. She's scary, man. She's scary. She's fearless. It's so wild to watch. It's so wild to watch a small human that you – took part in creating Mm -hmm. and they just start figuring shit out. And you're just, it's, it's nuts, man. And, um, as far as Laura goes, uh, she saved my life, dude. I mean, again, when I, when I got back, I was, I didn't have it all figured out. Right. And I was not a very good human to be around. And, um, she came along, she saw what was up and she saw who I could be. She was just resilient. There was nothing I would say or do. It didn't work. It was whatever tough guy, you know. She right. just see right. She saw right through any bullshit that I was trying to pass out. And when I talk about that mental gymnastics, man, she was the driving force behind that. I understood the, um, I understood the method, but I didn't understand how to apply it and keep applying it, and keep going and keep going and keep going. And um, she helped me with that and so fast forward let's fast forward to last year um last year july 1st i'll never forget it i had fallen off the wagon hard and uh i had a couple job opportunities that slipped through so i started getting really depressed again um i don't know if you guys know that Sonny is actually through a surrogacy program so my wife's cousin carried Sonny for us, right? So, Sonny is Laura's egg and my sperm. Oh, Even wow. That they you know that. It's, yeah, it's the little Sonny science projects. <laughs> <All that, right? laughs> but, so, my cousin, or Laura's cousin, carried Sonny for us, and uh, it was a very long process. It was about three years. Was, uh, just a lot of crazy shit went on with that. And, um, anyway, last year, I was uh, lost kind of again. I was I was. Had I'd kind of got myself to a better spot, but started falling back again. And um, I was drinking every day again. And um, she was, again, Laura was trying to do everything that she could uh, really hold it together while keeping me in her life, even though I was making that as difficult as possible. And um, I never forget, with, and this is what's so crazy about log steel, man, is... Um, I was out there on site tearing barns down right there where the amphitheater is. Uh-huh. I was working for this guy for $17 an hour cash, and we did nothing but drink Bush Light all day. I'd wake up in the morning. Man, I was so bad at this point, I'd wake up in the morning and I would get up early so I could get the five star in time to get a uh, four loco so I could chug that before I went to work just to feel normal. That's how bad I was. And I got a text message, and it said, uh, it was from Laura's cousin, Rachel, and it says, hey, you're going to be a daddy. And um, I knew that, one, I knew it was a girl automatically because I knew what the embryo was. So, bam, I don't know. I mean, it was like I got hit by a fucking truck. Dude. And um, I was like, you're done with this. I mean, I remember I was in a basket lift uh, tearing down one of those barns over there. And, I, and I'm not joking with you. I was still like, Troy let me down. It was like two o'clock in the afternoon. He let me down, and I got in my truck. I drove straight to New Hope store, and I got two more uh, alcoholic beverages. I chugged them in a the parking lot, and I cried like a damn baby for like thirty minutes. I drove straight to the house, and I just started pouring out anything that was in my house. And I told Laura, I said, I'm like, I'm done with this human. Like, I'm done with who this is. And I guess it just hit me, man. Like, this ain't about you no more, bro. Nope. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not about you anymore, man. There's a small human that's on her way to you. And you better figure out how to get your shit together. And so, and that's exactly what I did, man. And um, so, over that next nine months was a lot of rebuilding. And again, a lot of figuring out how to react to these situations and not trying to just not taking the lazy route a lot of these veterans that are listening to this podcast right now you're thinking well it's easy for you to say or is this any other will like you can't going if, if you want to say I haven't been down your road you're just full of shit you don't know me right. I've been there I promise you I have we're just in different phases of the road man right. I'm a little further ahead of you it doesn't mean that you can't get to the part to this area, it, you can, but you have to be willing to do the work. Everybody looks at people that are happy, right? And they think, I used to be that way. I I'd, I'd look at people that are happy, I'm so mad about it. I'm like, man, what an asshole. He's just happy all the time. People think that happy people just wake up that way, that it's not a learned exercise. It is. Everyone has something that sucks about their day, maybe not every day or week or month or whatever but everybody has something that sucks right it's how you handle that it's how you handle that thought that bad thought that won't go away how are you going to start to think your way around it you know and that's what we you know as to my veteran friends man that i and i've i've actually at this point i've helped rehabilitate two of my really good friends and by giving them these thought exercises that I use on a daily basis, is it perfect? Do I still am I still am I a perfect human? Do I not feel depression? No, that's that'd be a lie. But I've at least figured out a way to navigate through it without boozing myself into a coma or peeling myself into a coma. Right. And that's what's so important. I think that so many people um look at veteran stats and I'm gonna bring some up here for you real quick. Um, when we hear about the 22 a day, um, in our mind, it's just 22 war hardened veterans that are just killing themselves, right? Well, and, and are we okay? Do we got time for this? Yeah, man. Yeah, right. absolutely. I, I don't want to run you guys over. You're good. Um, but okay. So, and this is going to come to some people that never looked into this. Um, This is going to come kind of as a shock, Um, but a lot of people, what a lot of people don't know is that, um, let's see here, well, there's an 86% 86 increase in suicide rate um, from 18 to 34-year-old male veterans, but let me see, where is it at here? So, just about 70% of suicides that happen to veterans, um, especially at my age or my generation, aren't even combat arms, right? So, everybody, and again, this isn't me trying to downplay PTSD. This is me just trying to explain to people who have family members that are going through it, and they don't understand it. Right. So, maybe they think... the fuck is wrong with Sean? He was in the Air Force. He didn't do anything but sit behind a computer all day. Or this and that and the other. Well, it's the Seans and the Kellys or whoever that were in some sort of support. More of them are killing themselves than combat veterans themselves. And in my theory, at least, because this is what happened to me. Again, I, I, have, <clears throat> excuse me. I have PTSD. I'm not going to say that I didn't see or do things over there that messed with me, because it definitely did. And it took me a while to, again, get through those waters. But I know for a fact, at least for myself, that the thing that really affected me was the separation from all my boys. I went from one night one night, I'm in a barracks room with every single one of my homies to where if I have an issue, I can walk 10 feet through the door next door and we hash it out, talk it out, right? Um, overnight, my whole family gets scattered all across the U.S., you know, all that camaraderie, what you had is gone now. And then you get out, you come home, you go from somebody who over the past four to five years have worked yourself into some sort of leadership position or worked yourself into a position period of respect and it's gone now. Now, uh, Shirley at fucking state farm, who's your new supervisor who might suck at what she does is talking to you like you're a piece of shit, right? right. Or maybe you're working in an auto parts. It doesn't matter. But you're getting bossed around by people that you know that, and I hate putting it this way, and people will take it the wrong way, but I don't care. But you know you're better than they are. Mm-hmm. You just know. I know for a fact, and I'm not saying every one of them, but you take somebody my age uh, that went to college, um, that had give them the same jobs that I've done. That's fine. But send them to college to get a degree in science and put them up against me. It's not even a contest. Mm. And, I'm, and I know that sounds cocky, but it's just real, man. And so when you end up getting put into that pool around people, that's what is causing these suicides. It's that self-worth plummets. You have nobody around you that you can relate to at this point and explain things to. It's done, right? Right. And those are instead of attacking those things as friends and family or even the VA system, we're going or attacking the drug abuse or the alcohol abuse. Because how many of them? I couldn't even find a good stat on that. How many of them are killing themselves that are violently abusing drugs and alcohol? I mean, that helps you out, too. But we don't attack those portions. We say, hey, you got PTSD. Here's a Xanax. Where we say you need to get help go get therapy go talk to somebody who you don't even know that you can relate to you know so instead of teaching that
0: mental gymnastics what's crazy is the one main thing that uh, brought you to where you are now is the new baby girl mm-hmm. and now where is he sitting what's the name of the building that he's sitting in the sunny side, side. Jesus You've Christ! You made it man. to the sunny, the side, sunny side, brother. Man. We are so happy that you're here with us. Yeah, man. That you're not just here with us, but you're, you know, you're our brother now, dude. Yeah, man. First person yeah. that Jim and I want to see when we roll up to Logstill is TJ. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Guys. Hey, just the other night, Thursday night, I was down at uh, Logsteel, hadn't seen my friends, in for a long time, and mm. one of the guys that that I wanted to see. More than probably anybody there was TJ, definitely, and uh, he, and he was there. I
1: appreciate that. And uh, before we go, man, I just want to say, like, uh, to end it up is especially with the sunny thing, man, and to tell everybody, like, like I said, my journey started right there at the log still, July first last year, right. A year later, after I literally took control of my life and started telling myself, "Hey, this is how you're going to start to operate." you're going to start thinking your way through these things. And it's tough. It really is tough to do that g- mental gymnastics. And then I look at that baby girl every day, and it's just like, man, I'm going to bring you the world. You sit here, I'm going to bring it back to you, right? Yep. And there it is. Where am I at now, right? That, that was where that journey started, man. And this is where it's at at this point. Like, that's what can happen in a year's time if you start to take control, man. And, uh, again, I hope all my brothers and sisters that are out there right now they are Having a hard time with it, like it will. I promise you, it will get there. But you have to. You gotta be willing to work for it. Like we, so, we far too often, we just kind of pour pour a, little, a bottle of water on the fire to make it simmer down instead of teaching them how to put it all the way out. So, um, I mean it from the bottom of my heart with any of them. Any veteran that might be listening or know somebody, just you tell them to hit me up and we'll talk about it, man. I'm no subject matter expert on it, but there is a light. You just got to, you got to go for it, man. That's so. awesome.
0: Now, TJ, you're going to go big places at Logsteel. You're going to be the man. Uh, man, I'm going to try. I'm gonna you say. are. You're going to be the yeah, man. I'm We're going to continue man. being the MCs, Yeah, but you're going to keep climbing that ladder, hey, man. I'm going to
1: go with that thing like I'm trying to save dude, the planet,
0: dude. You got it. You'll be wearing a suit and tie and and all that. You toilet. think so? No. No, no. <laughs> no he ain't going to wear no damn suit and tie. No, man. But I can tell you what you're going to do is you're going to keep on inspiring people because, dude, you inspired me and Jaybo Big time. I mean, from the moment we met you and – And and your journey that, that's led to the TJ that we got to meet, brother. I mean, man, uh, you're, you're an inspiration to me and you always will. And I got to genuinely tell you, you know, people say thank, thank you for your service. And it's so, it's, it's so cold because it doesn't entail really the service they provided, but thank you for your service because from the, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate what you and all of your brothers and sisters do for this country and for our freedom, for the opportunity that we have to be able to do what we do, and then for you to be able to come back home and not get the true credit that you deserve. I will tell you that we appreciate you and your brothers and sisters for everything that you do for us, because without you and and all of those that go with you we would not be the greatest country that we are and so god bless you we love you tj man you, you let me tell you what your story is inspirational to to everyone and i mean honestly i agree and just a heads up man He's gonna get a tattoo soon, and make sure <laughs> I am, man. Make sure you. Slap I want to be. I, I want to be I like you. It. I want to be Go like ahead. you, man. I steamy. love it. I <laughs> love the tats. Man. It's not a good thing to. Uh, I, 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 I. Did he smack the shit out of <laughs> oh my you? Oh You gotta smack it in there, man. <laughs> him you and know. every other Marine at that vlog uh, yeah. still got a smack. So don't tell them when you get it. That's what we
1: always do, man. Every time yeah. you get a tattoo out in town, you come back from the barracks and they smack at <laughs> oh you. I love it. Smack it in
0: there. Hey, tell your lovely bride, we say hello. We appreciate her sharing you with us on two shots and uh take care of that baby girl because i'm gonna tell you what man it's going to like fly by and you you put an awesome picture out on social media you holding that baby girl next to that big bicep and and i made mention something about cherish every moment and 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 (laughs) jay made some crazy comment about the bicep and and you had a great comeback, by the way. I loved it. I love the comeback that you had to Jabo. But uh, oh, you're talking about that was my
1: boy Jones.
0: That was actually Jeremy Jones. I, like, I'm I'm better and I know better to make fun of teachers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no do nah, do man, it. we're always cool, man. But yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. He was trying to clown. It was funny. <laughs> it was great. It was great man
0: uh this has been a great show man no doubt. i I'll tell you what I we've hope had i didn't
1: take it too much from you guys but yeah. dude, awesome, thank man. you so much for having
0: me. we've had a lot of uh really epic uh shows here on two shots and man i'm gonna put this at the top of the list yeah. this is uh this is awesome and to all of your brothers and sisters out there we're with you god bless you and and, and just like just listen to my man tj he knows what it takes to be a true success story. That's right. And if you have a friend in the military, share this with them. Share it. Absolutely. Let's help some people. Hey, we'll see you next time on Two Shots. God bless you, and God bless America, baby.